Good morning. Happy Thursday, everyone. Today is Thursday, August 25th. Welcome to the 7 a.m. Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Again, today's date is Thursday, August 25th, 2022. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 24, starting with the first paragraph, the one in italics, reading that one paragraph only, which starts with, the fact is that most alcoholics. Today's readers are, and thank you so much to Team Thursday, Chris M., Nancy R., Martha V., Anita L., Newcomer reader, Katie G, and host for the second hour, Leah F. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, August 24th, 7 a.m., 19,324. That's 19324. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting yesterday, 19,325. That's 19325. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Buck Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Nancy R. to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Nancy. Good morning. This is Nancy R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Illinois. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message out to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, Nancy R. Appreciate you filling in. I will now ask for Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Your turn, Anita. Please go ahead. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater and food addict living in the solution for today. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Have a beautiful day, and I pass. Thank you, Anita. All righty, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter There is a Solution on page 24, the first paragraph that begins in italics. The fact is that most alcoholics, and we're going to unpack that one paragraph only, and Chris M. is going to get us started. Go ahead, Chris. Can't wait. Thanks, Amy. Hi, it's Chris M. from Ontario, Canada, compulsive overeater, uh, recovered for today. Um, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. So when I uh, quickly glanced this over uh, this morning, uh, a couple of things stood out. First, the fact that it's in italics. I've learned through this meeting that whenever anything in the big book was written in italics, it was really, really important. Um, and the uh, authors wanted us to know because it was really expensive back then to put things in italics. So that stood out for me. Um, and also the fact that um, when it talks about our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent and the whole concept of, you know, the memory of suffering and humiliation of even a month or a week ago um, and that we are without a defense against the first drink. I was visiting my mom at the beginning of this week. She lives in another town. And uh, we were talking about the uh, addictive um, addiction runs in my family, especially in my immediate nuclear family, my family of origin. So the three, myself and two siblings. Um, so there's, you know, alcoholism and there's uh, compulsive eating. And uh, we run, the three of us run this spectrum from the uh, the complete spectrum of disordered eating, compulsive eating. So she, my mom was just saying she doesn't understand addiction. She doesn't understand. She didn't realize that eating disorders are also an addiction. And, you know, we were taught, I was explaining to her about the uh, physical allergy and the mental twist and going through some of that. And, um, you know, we talked about this, um, this con these concepts in this paragraph as well, and how, you know, the, the so-called willpower it, it, it in time becomes non-existence, like it gets less and less. And then we were also talking about the, um, you know, how we just, uh, at a certain time, like there comes a time where you just have lost control. And uh, we went through some different examples of myself and uh, we were talking about my siblings and some of their situations. And, you know, it was a really great opportunity to, you know, explain, um, you know, my experience, strength and hope with her about my disease of compulsive eating and give her some insight. She blames herself, of course, but she shouldn't. And um, it, it just made, brought me a lot of, it brought me a lot of um, 
joy actually to be able to to just share that openly with her and she was really listening and I mean of course she just loves us all and wants the best for us and she wants so much to understand so I'm just grateful and thankful that you know my senior mother is just so open so supportive and wants us wants to do the best for us even though she's now aging Uh, we're all getting older so this paragraph, there's so much more. I could talk all day about it, but I'm sure everyone else will have I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say. So thank you so much for allowing me to do service. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Chris, for getting us started. Okay. Uh, although we value everyone's experience, strength, and health, if you've shared in the last few days, uh, mainly Wednesday or Tuesday, if you wouldn't mind, Letting others share their experience and strength and hope, that would be awesome. So who would like to share on what was read? I need your first name and the initial of your last name, please. Vasa O. Christina J. Vasa O. Rick J. Heather E. H. from Sally Texas. A. Kathy C. Sally A. E. H. from Texas. Janet B. Uh, Billy on. P. Heather E. Okay. H. from Texas. Heather, gotcha. Janet. Did I get Teresa P. Teresa okay, B. This is what I have. Well, hold on one sec, folks. This is what I have. I have uh, Vasa O., Christina J., Rick J., Riva P., Sally something, Billy P., Heather E. H. from Texas. And let's see, I could take a couple more. Who did I miss that's already tried to get in, please? I'm sure I missed a few. Reva P. Teresa B. Teresa, yeah, okay, Teresa. I thought I heard you. Okay. Um, anyone else that I missed that shared, that tried Bay. to get their name in? What's that? Janet B. Janet, okay, yes, all right, Janet B. All right, we're going to hold it that, please. So here's what I have. Rockstar lineup, people. Vasa O, Christina J, Rick J, Reva P, Sally, get your initial there, Billy P, Heather E, H, Teresa B, and Janet B. All right, Vasa, you are up. Please go ahead. Grab that mic. Vasa, are you there? Please go ahead. Sorry, I was not. I was not unmuted. I was no. sharing. You are now. Good, good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and thank you, Amy, for your service and everybody's service this morning that I'll be listening to. And um, as I said, I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I just love this paragraph because I can identify with it and. Uh, Yes, by the time I came to my first OA meeting in 1986, I lost the willpower or whatever control I had to that point. I gave in to the food addiction because I there was nothing, I mean, nothing worked that I tried up to that point, you know. I'm just so, so grateful that I found a solution here for my problem. 
I didn't know what what was the problem with me. You know, I didn't know anything about the allergy, the mental obsession. I had no clue about any of this stuff. So, and um, I was, uh, you know, and I was led into the big book, and I tried to identify with the alcoholic, even though my sponsor said, gave me the, the book, and I said, well, I'm not an alcoholic. So she said, well, cross alcohol, put food. And that's what I did. I had the gift of desperation, and I didn't see it as a gift then. I saw it as a torture. How am I going to give up the foods that I love? And I wanted to eat all my life, you know, and I turned to the sugary things. I would cook for my family all these wonderful meals, and guess where I went? I went to the unhealthy sugary things. It was it was just, you know, it was crazy, you know. Now with just the food addiction with everything in my life, I was going through being in the in the food addiction because I did not have a higher power greater than myself. I was doing it by myself, by my own. I didn't know I could turn to a higher power greater than myself. And I was grateful to hear about the solution, how the program worked, you know. What can I do with those 100 people that re- men and women that recovered in the first edition. And I was re- ready and willing to do that because I didn't want to die. And that's what I've been doing all these years. But I needed to put the food down. You know, I learned that I that I had to put it down in order to work the steps. I needed to have the clarity. Otherwise, you know, I, you know it's not going to work. Or I would go back into the food addiction if I didn't work the oh. steps. So thank you. I am so great, and I'm I'm grateful, and I'm so blessed to be with you this morning. And thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you so much, Vasa. Oh, okay, Christina J., followed by Rick J. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for your service. Thank you. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Mm -hmm. Christina J., State of North Carolina, previously in Washington. You know, for years, well, you know, I'm going to say this. All my life, my insecurity was my God. And so my body had to be perfect, and I chased that perfect body. And so for a long time, the humiliation and suffering of gaining weight kept the disease at bay, the dis-ease of my personality and my character defects and all the things I would do to get love. I was so insecure and lonely inside. I didn't know how to be accepted, even though I was stunningly beautiful as a young girl. It just wasn't enough. And the kind of attention I did get when I would get thin didn't do it, didn't feel the loneliness, didn't feel the ache. I had a connection to God, an outward connection. I never turned to God for anything. So my higher power was myself, my insecure self, drove me almost to my death. The most important line in here for me this morning is we are def- against, we are without defense against the first drink. It took me over 60 years to realize that. In my early 40s, my second husband died of cancer, and I was devastated and empty, empty. I had nothing but the food. I wasn't in program then. Here I had a God. I was spiritual and all that. Yay, who? I wasn't going to God. I wasn't going to God. I wasn't going to the higher power. So I was buried in this horrible thing of my the love of my life being taken from me. What did I end up going to? Of course, the food. I had nothing else. I was against defense, against the first drink. I mean, I was without defense against that first bite. I had nothing to go to. Today I have a defense. It's a God. 
the higher power that lives in my heart. Life comes and goes. It's not always, as they say, rainbows and butterflies for me. Life is life. And I, all those things that come along in my life are to bring me to this higher power, to bring me to my knees. Um, I, <laughs> I remember I could talk ad nauseum about experiences, about forgetting uh, the suffering of the food, you know, sitting in the parking lot with a pint of ice cream going, why can't I have this once a week? week? There's nothing wrong with it. I'm feeling fantastic. Denial, denial, denial. Until I strengthen that bridge to God, I got nothing. I got nothing. So this book has saved my life. You all have saved my life. Um, I have lost the power of choice in drink. I have lost the power of choice to be able to diet, to control anything in my life. Anything without God's help and his advice in my morning prayers and throughout the day. I'm a lost puppy in this world. So I'm so grateful for what this book has brought me to. It connected the dots from what I carried around for years, a spiritual connection that was not connected to my heart and my mind and my will. God gave me that. So love you all. Thank you for letting me share. I share because I need to share, need to reach others, and I need to be of service. I need to spill my heart to you guys every day. Otherwise, uh, I start slipping again. Even this sharing helps. So if you're out there and you're not sharing, get on here. It's it's a miracle. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Christina J. from North Carolina. Rick J., you're up, followed by Reva P. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Uh, Rick J. here. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. And... um, Love this paragraph. Um, I am sharing on an event that happened that a lot of you have heard of before when I've shared about it. But this paragraph, it's like the best example for me and to never forget what that uh, that powerlessness, the loss of power of choice uh, and, uh, you know, the inability to bring into my consciousness with sufficient force the memory of suffering and humiliation forget about a week and a month ago we're we're talking you know like an hour ago and um you know a while back you know i'd been to the doctor and uh you know i my cholesterol was up around 400 my blood pressure was high i was pre-diabetic i was 60 pounds overweight uh my heart was like you know like a racing engine getting ready to blow i was binge exercising trying to counter the uh, massive amount of calories I was slamming into my body. And, you know, and I was a mess. And my doctor was like, oh, wow, Rick, you're a ticking time bomb. <laughs> so I just thought, hmm, the ticking time bomb, I got to do something. So I, I went home, but I was telling my wife about this, you know, and, and I was in that moment, I was like, yep, I got to do something about this. Well, you know, an hour goes by and then I'm I'm eating something out of the pantry you know grabbing it eating it and uh you know she's making the little tick 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 sounds of a ticking time bomb and you know and i think it's kind of funny and and i just keep diving in and um you know and i i didn't realize that my son was sort of in the wings listening to everything that was going on and a little bit later i had uh you know prepared a massive bowl of buttery salty popcorn and was eating that 
I looked up and I saw my son. He was there and he had tears in his eyes and he asked me if my doctor knew I was eating that. You know, and he really was terrified that something bad was going to happen, that I was going to explode or something. But, you know, he knew that that was bad and my doctor didn't know. And so I I saw the way it was affecting him and I, I got down, you know, just at his eye level and I was like, Jake, I love you. I I will never eat like this again. And And the shock and horror of what it was doing to my son was just overwhelming and I took him by the hand and we took that popcorn and we went over to the trash can and we dumped it out and he was just so relieved he goes to bed you know he was young at this time and uh, about an hour after he goes to bed he comes downstairs and I'm sitting there at the computer with a huge family bag of Skittles (laughs) eating like fistfuls of Skittles. This is about an hour. And I look up and I see him crossing the room. I'm like, uh-oh. And I cram this bag up underneath the computer monitor. And he's, Dad, are you okay? He sensed something was wrong. And I looked at him in the eye and I said, Jake, I promised you I would never eat like that again. You can trust me. And I guess I had upended that bag a little bit up underneath the monitor and a little skittle comes rolling out underneath the monitor and he's looking at that skittle and I'm looking at that skittle and it rolls across and it bounces down on the lap top yeah. tray there and you know and then here comes another skittle and all of a sudden a whole parade of skittles just starts rolling out from underneath that monitor and the bag kind of shifts and I mean and then the whole gig's up right and I have no words and he just looks at me and he's like clearly you have issues and uh, I said, Jake, and I didn't even say anything else. And I'm like, let me take you to bed. And he goes, that's okay. Mom will do it. And what really hurt the most was that that little light went out in his eyes. And the only way to get through that pain was to go back into the pantry, pop more popcorn. And I don't have to live like that today. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Rick J. from Cary, North Carolina. Reva P. followed by Sally A. Go ahead, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, So this paragraph is telling me the facts. And um, I used to say, food is my drug of choice. Um, And I was really snarky about that little comment. And, you know, this book has taught me food is my drug of no choice. Because for me, step one is, Reva, you are going to binge you are going to binge, you are going to binge. When you have a good day, when you have a bad day, when you feel up, when you feel down, because I am like this programmed missile. I have passed a certain point and that's what I did every day. And for me, my eating and binging was secretive. I would come home from work, close the door to my apartment. I lived alone. Um, At the beginning, I thought this was wonderful. Nobody saw, nobody knew. Nobody said what happened to all of that food. Um, And I just binged and binged on white flour and sugar cartons and dozens and whatever. Um, And that was my life. Um, And I guess what this um, paragraph is teaching me that I am doomed not so much by that physical allergy, which for sure is an issue, but my thinking 
will always drive me back to the thing that is killing me. So I have no mental defense. I have no willpower, no froth emotional appeal, nothing. I have no power. And I love how it's using the word, I have lost the power. Um, I have no willpower. Um, I have no defense. So this is drumming home the fact that in order to embrace the solution that I see on the header, I need to know what the problem is. And I need to understand that I have this twofold thing, the physical allergy. If I just had that, I would stop eating my allergic foods and I'd be good to go. But I have this mental twist, mental blank spot, whatever I want to call it, that my thinking will always take me back, whether it's, oh, I'm just going to have one or, you know, I am so sad. I am so tired. I need some comfort. Please give me some comfort, something. Um, and it's always in the food. So. I guess what I learn here is if I don't have the power, um, and that's what step one is telling me, then step two is I need the power. And I'll tell you right now, um, my mother is probably in her last uh, couple of whatever. Um, it would be such a great excuse to just pick up. And it's only the grace of God. It's the grace, the grace of God that, you know, now um, I'm aware of the first thought by staying in 10, 11, and 12, and staying connected to God, I can be aware of the thought that will drive me to the next thought, to the next thought, and then food is suddenly, I'm, my hand is on the fridge. Um, so thank you, God, for the reminder that I need the power and it's not me, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva P. from Toronto, Canada. Prayers for your mom, for sure. Um, Sally A, followed by Billy P. Sally, please go ahead. Thanks, Amy. Good morning, everybody. It's Sally A in New York. So this is a wonderful paragraph. And just to sort of um, continue where others have shared, um, this, this paragraph, again, is driving home the fact that we are without power of choice for that first bite, that last sentence is what I want to hone in on. We are without defense against the first bite. You know, I've been in OA a long time, and um, the first go-around in OA, I was without a doubt dieting with group support, um, really wasn't aware that the big book had anything to do with this, um, was all about... Uh, keeping my memory green so I wouldn't pick up, uh, making phone calls just before I picked up. It was all about uh, keeping the door closed and not letting the lion or the tiger get out um, after meals and um, bookending meals and all these little tricks to uh, stop me from the first bite. Because the first bite is because of that mental twist and after the first bite, the allergy kicks in, and I am without defense against the next 20 bites, or in my case, until it's all gone, which was a huge feature and has been a feature of my particular disease, until it's all gone. And so when I look at this, and I, you know, I've read the big book, I have a, a strong understanding of the big book, um, and I, you know, came to realize that I was no different than Roland Hazard 
with his comment, oh, I got this, I go to church, and, um, you know, proceeded to study the big book thinking that it was all about the big book. It was all about um, coming on a vision for you and all about uh, working with others and studying the big book and knowing the big book. And the big book became my next power, my next higher power. And thank God I have this sponsor who has brought to my attention the fact that something is wrong with my relationship with my creator, as it speaks so plainly in page 72. And, And the book over and over tells us that the purpose of this book is to show how others have developed their relationship, that word relationship, over and over. And for me, I finally had to look at my relationship. Something is wrong with my relationship. And number one, my sponsor so adequately put it, aptly put it, your God is in the trunk. He's not even in the car. He's in the trunk of your car. Yeah, you know he's there, but you're not willing to let your God take the lead. And the other thing that she said that was very powerful for me is that this whole chapter, we agnostics, I never identified with the agnostics. I'm not an agnostic. I definitely believe in God. But the truth of the matter is that she showed me another perspective on we agnostics. And the fact that we agnostics for me is about the fact that I am a flip-flopper. I have a relationship with God for 20 minutes, and then I walk away, and it's all about I. And that leaves me defenseless against the first bite. What does that mean? Do I have to constantly be thinking about God? Well, for sure, I have to get out of the I and into the we for others to work with me. And most importantly, more than the we, which really has been a theme of the dieting with group support from the get-go, is that I have to have a working relationship with my higher, and my higher power in order for me to be with defense against the first bite. With that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Sally A. from New York. All right, we have Billy P. followed by Heather E.H. Go ahead, Billy. Did you forget Heather H.? Heather, you are after Billy. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Billy, please go ahead. Got a word of Billy. Billy P. No Billy P. I think I heard someone wrong. Okay. All right. Well, then I guess Heather E. Heather E. H. I think you are up then. Heather. You want to go ahead? Heather E.H., you're up. If you're talking, Heather, you're muted. So you need to hit star one to unmute, please. All right, well, well, that's happening. Maybe I didn't have Billy P. Maybe it was Julie P. (laughs) 
my hand must have wrote Billy P. But if it's Julie P, you can go ahead, Julie, if you would like. Good morning. This is Julie P. Thank you. Oh, great. Sorry Thank about that. you. Please go ahead. Recovering in Minnesota. I'm very grateful for everyone's service this morning. I just really wanted to identify in with the paragraph this morning and the the, th- the image that comes to my mind is the lone wolf cruising through the forest who is just, I can't stop. I totally identify. I have no willpower left that, for that first bite. And thank you so much, everybody. And for that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Julie P. from Minnesota. All right, Heather E.H., you are up. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you very much for calling on me. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, this is Heather E.H. from Texas, gratefully recovered for today. And um, thank you, Amy, for your service, and thank you for calling on me. Um, I just really identify with this uh, paragraph, and so I had to comment on it. And um, what I've learned is um, in another meeting, I called, they called this a, the broken bridge where, um, where you couldn't remember the pain or suffering of a week or a month ago. And for me, it was for a few days ago that I couldn't remember when I was trying to get abstinent or stay abstinent in my first months of recovery, I couldn't remember taking that first quarter bite or eighth of a bite of a substance while I was preparing it and um, not even binging on it. But um, I couldn't remember even doing that because I couldn't remember the pain or suffering or the firing of my sponsor that made me feel horrible of the next day during my prayer and meditation. I would not feel bad while I was doing it or that night, but um, the next day um, while I was being still, the guilt, all the guilt and the pain and suffering and misery that hit me was just horrible. And it was way too horrible to account for doing that behavior. And um, so um, what I did, I learn my lesson. No, it was like the broken bridge. It was like the one part of my brain that did not connect to the unconscious mind did not connect to the conscious mind. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Heather E.H. from Texas. Just a friendly reminder to folks, we are on page 24, the first paragraph in italics. The fact is, um, just going through that one paragraph. Okay, Teresa B. followed by Janet B. Go ahead, Teresa. Teresa B. Star good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is Teresa B. Um, I have been um want to thank everybody for their sharing their experience, strength, and hope because that helps me 
as a recovering overeater, um, that really helps me to uh, stand up and face the day. Stand up as a, uh, you know, a person who, yeah, my bridge was definitely broken. It still is broken, but hopefully I'm, I'm, I, I am rebuilding. I'm rebuilding a new bridge with a new foundation. My foundation, my bridge was so broken because my foundation was so um, weak. And if a house has a weak foundation, it's not going to stand. It's going to fall. If a bridge has a weak foundation, it's going to fall. And I would get up every day with standing on that broken foundation. I'd wobble and wobble and wobble. And I'd be okay for half the day. By evening, the bridge was crumbling. I was in the refrigerator. I was making compulsive overeating choices. So hearing everybody share their experience and hope is so important for, for me. Um, I, too, um, have always had a higher power in my life, but I never considered using that my higher power to um, help me, me with my overeating and my compulsive behavior, overeating and, the, and my behaviors, um, and I have. And so, therefore, my foundation is pretty, getting pretty solid so I can build this bridge on it. And then... Um, you know, have that communication between the, the 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 right side of the brain and the left side of the brain, as, as I've been hearing people share, and I like that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so thank you for all, all of your ash, everyone, and um, I'll pass. Thank you, Teresa. Where are you from? Teresa. Okay, I am I'm, I'm back. This is Teresa. I'm visiting this morning as I am from Baltimore, Maryland, and I have I am a um, speech pathologist that works for a school system. So I'm 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 looking for meetings to try to ha- meet you know attend during the morning since my night meetings are too late. I have to get to bed early. So I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Teresa. Thank you, Teresa from Sorry. Baltimore. <laughs> All right. Janet B, you are up. Please go ahead. Then we'll take have time for a couple minutes. Hi. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B, Recovered Compulsive Eater in New Jersey. So what an interesting line. We've lost the power of choice in drink or food. I mean, what does that mean? Was there like a little gremlin that, you know, stuck my hand in a bag of this or a carton of that? No, like, of, of course not. Um, but it tells me that my memory can't remember. And it uses all these weird words together like consciousness, memory, suffering, defense. And it's like, what does that all even mean? And the way I've thought of it is like there's a, as people have said, like a connection, a bridge between my memory and my conscious mind. And in my memory are like all these data points of dangerous things. So for instance, I grew up in Miami got lots of sunburns. So in my memory were all these data points of you go, into, you go to the beach without sunscreen, you will get a sunburn. Your face will peel. You'll hate it. Don't do it. So I'm about to go to the beach. And before I walk out the door, my memory scans the data points, generates a thought to run across the bridge to say, danger, be careful. Going to the beach without sunscreen will lead to trouble. So I get sunscreen. But with food, it didn't work that way. So let's take my, I remember my big binge food was 
this box of cookies. It came in a box of 20. And I would tell myself, I'm going to have one or two. And we all know the end of that story. I would have the whole 20. And yes, often go down for a second box. So stored in my memory are all these data points of Janet saying she's just going to have one or two cookies, but she eats the whole box. So there I go, got to go to the store to buy my box of 20 to just have one or two. And my memory does its job. It scans the data points and finds 50, 100 data points. Janet says she's going to have one or two, but eats all 20. Danger. Stop. Don't do it. And generates that thought to run across the bridge to my consciousness where I make decisions. Except unlike sunburns or hot stoves, when it came to food, that bridge was broken and the memory couldn't get across. And I had no defense against the first compulsive bite. I was like an amnesiac when it came to compulsive eating. So what's the solution? People used to say these things like keep the memory green. I did not have the ability to keep the memory green. I had a broken bridge between my conscious mind, my will, and my memories. So my job was to build a new bridge, and that's a bridge to God, which I did by getting faith, surrender, the most important thing, surrendering my will to his will, and cleaning up the wreckage of my past. And then the most beautiful thing happens. God crosses over that bridge, over to where I am, and he protects me himself. And what a beautiful, glorious way to live. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Janet B. from New Jersey. Okay, so we have time for probably three folks. So who would like to share what was read on page 24? Sarah for Janice P.M. Diane in. Anita J. And Anita J. This is who I've got. Sorry, this is what I could hear. Dara L., Janice P.M., Anita, Anita L. Please go ahead, Janice. I mean, uh, Dara, Dara L. Okay, great. Thanks so much. This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater. I live in Philadelphia. And I'm sitting here listening to the meeting, um, tempted to think about, you know, all of the times that I within the food and forgot the suffering and the humiliation. And I love what's been shared so far and it's so beautiful. And I, I'm, um, you know, in this morning, like I'm having tears just running down my face as I connect because I'm thinking about how like, this is still true for me. You know, my only defense has to come from a connection to a power greater than myself. And yet when it comes to my relationship with God every day, I forget the miracle and the magic that comes from turning my will and my life over to the care and protection of a higher power. And so, you know, it's so humbling because I'll have this amazing, like, spiritual experience where I go to God and, you know, I get this wisdom and this insight and I act on it and everything feels better on the inside, you know. And then, like, 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I got this. Like, I'm just going to do it my way, you know. And then I humiliate myself and I fall flat on my face and, you know, I create damage and wreckage and I have to go back and apologize. And then, you know, I go to God and God tells me what to do and I do the thing and, like, everything gets better. And then, you know, two hours later, I'm like, oh, like, who needs God, you know. And so, like, lest I think that I am any different than I was in the disease, every single day I forget, I forget 
the beauty and the majesty, like, that is my higher power and the connection that I have there. You know, like, I think anyone with 24 hours of abstinence or, or a week of abstinence or whatever, like, that physical craving is gone. Um, and so, you know, the allergy of the body is not going to pull me back to the disease once I have a little bit of abstinence. But the obsession of the mind comes from being disconnected from a higher power. And every single day I forget connect with that higher power and it is amazing i almost feel like in spite of myself god is restoring me to sanity and keeping me in a state of recovery but it's 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 super humbling and it's and it's scary to me if i think that like there is anything different about me today than the person who's like in the bag of doritos because there's really not um I still forget, you know, I still forget and, um, and it's dangerous. And so I'm just really grateful today, um, that, yeah, I'm just like another one of you and I get to come to a place and I get to get treatment for the sickness in my soul. Um, and you know, just for today, for these like 15 minutes, I'm going to remember the power and the majesty of God. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to screw it up. Um, and, you know, thankfully, God doesn't seem to lose patience with me. Um, but anyways, uh, with that, I'll pass. I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you so much, Dara L. from Philadelphia, PA. All right, Janice PM, you're up. Hey, Janice. Hey, Amy. Amy, thank you so much. This is Janice PM, a recovered a compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Well, the first sentence says, the fact is of most alcoholics. Well, first of all, I had to surrender the fact that I am a compulsive overeater. You know, that's the very first thing. Otherwise, I can't do anything for years. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll change myself, you know. But the dealing with the real compulsive overeater as I am is I have not only a problem of the body, I have a problem of the mind. And that means I have the inability, inability to manage the decision <laughs> all the time to not start eating. Again, just based on my self-knowledge or my self-will or uh, my willpower which is my thinking. This is the real reason why I must gain access to a higher power because I lost the power to control my eating once I started and I lost the power to stop from starting again. And um, you see, I cannot rely on my mind. You know, if I had a choice, that would mean I'm not powerless. You know, oh, yeah, I can choose this a little bit for that. Well, I'm saying I'm not powerless. So, and I'm not a compulsive overeater. Because as a compulsive overeater, a real compulsive overeater, I need the 12 steps to access a power greater than I am. And, you know, I may have tempting thoughts, you know, Um <laughs> But I can't control them. Therefore, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice of going back. But later on, when we do the steps, it doesn't say thinking about them. It says acting, working them. I have a new power that comes in. So I have the power of choice. The power is 
having me re, uh, stay abstinent and recovered for one day, a daily reprieve. You know, um, I no more have want to drink uh, bleach or have a donut today. You know, I have been relieved. I have been relieved for one day of the helpless and hopeless state of mind and spirit. I am recovered from a hopeless state. You know, instead of, you know, picking up a donut, I pick up the phone. Or I ask my God for help. That's the solution. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Janice P.M. from Massachusetts. Anita L., you're going to take us out. Please go ahead. Okay, I hope you don't mind. It's Anita J. From oh, Anita J., I'm so sorry. No, please uh, go ahead. That's perfectly all right. Um, anyway, I'm from Massachusetts. And, um, yes, this was a very good paragraph. What came to mind again was when my son announced that he was, um, first it was my daughter, six weeks, mom, I'm going to get married. Well, at that point, I had dropped 60 pounds, had taken the, not, not, nothing to do with her wedding, picked up one bite, and I was already two sizes up. With whatever willpower I had, I was able to stop two sizes up and be the mother of the bride. Then I commenced to go on, and I don't know, a month or two later, my son said, we've decided to get married. Well, you know what? I had no power anymore. So I was in the X sizes for his wedding. One was in May and one was in December. If I ever needed to see Anita, you've got a problem, baby. <laughs> I, I, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I, knowledge is, fails us nothing. I had to finally see that this is a book about me, and I'm so grateful I finally did. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Anita J. from Massachusetts. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared today. Uh, thank you so much to Team Thursday for all your service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, August 25th, 2022, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 19,331. That's 19331. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Martha Z, could you please read a vision for you for us? Thank you, Amy. This is Martha Z. Good morning, my friends in recovery. I'm Martha Z, compulsive overeater, recovered by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him 
and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.